check. Oh, yeah, amen. Kia ora. Are you out there? Are you alive? Yeah, nice. I can hear some peeps. Hi. Welcome, church. Not welcome to church. Welcome, church. You get that distinction? Yeah, kia ora. Um, yeah. I mean, if you feel it, let's let's come and occupy some of the space up in here. It's like, let's congregate, you know? We're in a congregation for no reason, you know? We're going to congregate. We're, we're going to come together. Physically and spiritually, you know? All that. We're going to sing one you know really well. Holy Spirit, welcome. It's a prayer. It's about focusing in on Him, welcoming Him. He's already here, but when we take that time, when we specifically uh, tune into that and be like, Kelda, like I'm actually speaking to you and I'm saying you're welcome, you know, like that, that's powerful and that's, that's an affirmation of what is already going on. But also what I would like us to to think about and to pray as we're singing this is that he's saying that right back to us. You're welcome here. Um, that, and that's that's actually his move first, not not our move first. We we get to say you're welcome here because he's made us welcome. So let's pray out of that space. Kapai. Kaura. Holy Spirit, welcome. You are welcome. Guide us. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. There's a there's a, a collective voice here we've got to be a bit tender with. Holy Spirit, let the word stir you. It's actually a prayer. Spirit, Holy Spirit. 
open our hearts to you. that you made the first move Thank you that you loved us first Thank you that you welcome us home Thank you that we are your family feel his his tenderness saying to to those who might not feel like family son daughter you are welcome
this family Yes, he's got a song for this family He's been singing it this whole time, yeah
hour and has encouraged us. And Father is singing over us. I just want to ask you right where you are to ask the Lord what he would sing over you right at this moment. Ask him, Father, let me hear the words you're singing. chapter 3 verse 17 I think it is says the Lord rejoices over us with singing and dancing he's absolutely madly in love with each one of us so for us absolutely believes in us rejoices with singing and dancing over us Father I pray that Lord our hearts will be captivated by the joy that you have in each one of us Lord and knowing that we bring you joy Lord may you fill each of our hearts and our lives our souls with strength the strength of knowing that we bring you joy the strength knowing that we bring you pleasure Lord not because of all that we have done but all because of what Jesus has done and as we place our faith and our confidence in him knowing that you're the author and the finisher of our faith and you that have started a good work will surely finish it in each one of us. So Father, as we come around your word, I pray that Lord, your word will continue to mold us and shape us. That Lord, we won't be hearers only, but Lord, we'll be attentive. Lord, sitting on the edge of our seat, ready to hear, ready to respond, ready to obey to your word. Lord, knowing that as we live, Lord, in union with you, Lord, as we live aligned to you, knowing that that's where our best life is found in you. So we thank you for this, Father. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Isn't that cool? So cool. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five and say, Great to see you. Welcome to church. You're looking good. You're sounding good. It's good to be at church. I give you a special welcome if this is your first or second time to activate. A special welcome to you. If you can turn and face Jilly at the back, she is waving a white visitor's pack. And feel free to help yourself to one of those. There you'll find details about the church. And if you'd like to find more about who we are at Activate, there's a card to fill in and we can be in contact with you. And we would love to do that. So church, can we put our hands together and welcome our guests this evening. 
Pastors Sheridan and Jan are on leave for the weekend. They're having a well-earned break and a rest, and they share and send their love to you all, and I hope you're enjoying your time too. Well, it's my pleasure to hand over to Owen. We're tag cheering tonight, so let's give it up to Owen as he takes us through birthdays and anniversaries. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Give it up for Ray. There we go. Awesome. Put your hand up if, you had, if you've had a birthday in the last year. Yeah. It's a trick question. Yeah. Everyone's had a birthday in the last year. Put your hand up if you put from here until this time last year. There we go. Awesome. Why don't you put your hand up and come to the front if you've had a birthday in this last week or wedding anniversary or engagement. Come forward. Come forward if you've had a birthday. Would no anyone birthdays. like a chocolate? Come forward. Oh, here we go. Very good. There we go. We've got one birthday. Any more birthdays? No. No more birthdays. He gets all the chocolate. Awesome. Okay, church. How we're going to do this is we're going to stand to our feet, stretch out our hand, and let's bless the brother. Lachlan. Thank you, Lachlan. Father, thank you for Lachlan. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over him this year. Activate your love and goodness through Lachlan. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for Lachlan? Happy birthday. Cool. Okay, we've got some highlights. Tell us about the highlights, Ray. Who enjoys highlights? Who knows what a highlight is? It's when you get your pen out and you highlight something. It's a notice. Here we go. Who was involved with the church mucking last weekend? Wasn't it fantastic? Out in the alleyways, the highways and the byways, cooking, banging, making stuff, painting stuff, doing stuff, (coughs) weeding gardens. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Church, can we put our hands together for everyone who was part of that? Well done. And in November, we have our Thanksgiving celebration gathering. And we'll be showing a video from our Muckin Day. So that's going to be fantastic. So again, thank you for everybody who participated in that. That was wonderful. What sort of food are we going to have there, Ray? What sort of food could we possibly having there? We're going to have some buns. Do you like buns on? Buns are right. KFC's better. Who KFC. Agrees? We're going to we'll have the Colonel. <laughs> it's going to be good, eh? Come on. Yeah, just you and me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, everybody's going to have some Colonel. It's going to be great. Very cool. So the light party on the 31st of this month, we have, here we go, the 31st from 6 to 8 p.m., this place is filled with children from our faith community and from our community in Enderley and Fairfield. Who's been to Light Party before? Yeah, it's awesome. Can I encourage you to be involved? It is a wonderful thing. This place is absolutely filled with kids. It's over. In fact, in many ways, there's too many kids in here, but it's a lot of, lot of fun. And for the really young kids, they're in the downstairs cafe, but we need a lot of people to help, to be part of that, to volunteer. We've got parents and guardians with cafe going on. If you want to help with the kids, if you want to help with the parents cafe, whatever it is, can you sign up at the cafe? It's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to make a real difference in our community. And the reports that we get back from it is fantastic. So it's a great vibe, great to be part of. 
Over to you, Owen. Okay, light party. Community Link, put your hand up if you know what Community Link is or Community Link Trust, if you've ever heard of it. Community Link Trust is, is based from out of this church. It's a group of fine, fine people. Not like fine, but you know, fine people, really good people who go out into the community and serve the community through through our giving, through our, uh, our support and prayer. And uh, particular this month, uh, in particular this month is October CIA. Put your hand up if you know what CIA stands for. What does it stand for? Church in Action. Church in Action. Come on. Very awesome. Good. So part of Church in Action is that we've got uh, uh, one of the services called Food Link. And uh, you may have seen when you came in, there's a, a desk out there and a food bank. So can I encourage you, um, if you come along next week, bring a, a can or some uh, non-perishable foods and drop some into the food bank. That's Food Link. Yeah, oh, next week, next Tuesday, who's ever been to a prayer night? Anyone here? Sure have, I know, good. Got some bad news. Oh, no. Next week, there's no prayer gathering. Everyone say, oh, 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 I know. But it will be back on, is it on the week after that? Maybe the no, week after it's that? it's actually on the second Tuesday of November. There's so much in the program this time of the year. We're going to be meeting on the second Tuesday of November. Everyone say, second Tuesday. There you go, prayer night. Vision College Leadership Information Night on the 25th of October. Vision College, train me. Particularly Vision College over at our Ruakura campus on Ruakura Road there. There's no slide, so don't bother looking. It's cool. <laughs> I've seen on, uh, on some advertisement that there may be coffee and cake and dessert there. So who likes coffee and cake? Yeah. Go along. 20, everyone say 25th of October. Vision College Info Night. Very good. Thank you, Owen. Great stuff. Let's give it up for Owen. Awesome. Well, this evening we're going to watch a video, a DVD, um, from a woman called Beth Moore. She spoke at Hillsong Conference this year, and Pastor Sheridan and Jan and um, Chris and Maura Hubbard and Wendy and I had the privilege of being in Hillsong and hearing this message from Beth Moore. It's a great message. And after she spoke it at Hillsong, there was this incredible hush of the congregation. Everybody went quiet because I think everybody had to do business with God. And so be prepared that maybe you have some business to do with God as well. It's a great DVD. And so I'm going to ask Rob to push play and just sit back and enjoy and allow the Word of God to minister to you. So thanks, Rob. today, every one of us today, Father, do not let us be distracted. Do not let us miss it. You, Father, make yourself so known to us. Reveal yourself to us in this house today. We will give you all praise and all glory and all honor in the glorious and saving name of Jesus. Everybody say hallelujah and amen. You may be seated. Was anybody else just nearly brought to tears over being able to take communion together? I, I don't know if that moved you like it did me. For one thing, it caught me by surprise. I didn't know we were going to, but I love the church. 
I love the church. I was raised in church. And so I love our ordinances, the things that mean so much to us, the, the Lord's Supper, I love baptism. I, I love the fact that, that this event is about equipping the local church all around the globe. I cannot think of anything more powerful than that. And I, we are from so many different nations in this house. I pray that it is a great delight to our God. Listen, I loved what Pastor Brian talked to us about yesterday morning about having long arms. Do you remember that? Because I wanna start from the place where he left off. I'd love to bridge over from his message to mine this morning because it has a very, very strong tie. So think about what he said regarding influence. I want you to recall with me that in the covenants of promise, that the instructions and commands of God were exactly the same. Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abram, go, go, leave this place and go to the place where I will send you. Then we come to the end of the gospel of Matthew, where Christ has given his life on the cross for our sins. He has been raised from the dead. He has appeared to his disciples and, and many others during a period of 40 days. And then he is about to depart from them to ascend into the heavens and have a seat at the right hand of God. And so the last commission he gave them and to all of us through that witness was, go ye therefore into all the nations, making disciples. And so I want you to think about that. Both covenants of promise, one continuing the other, the command is to go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded them. We are to infiltrate the world with the life-saving gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and make disciples. Now, here's what I wanna say to you this morning. It may be that God calls you to do that vocationally through the church. That, that is a glorious thing. It may be that he calls you to some kind of ministry where it's just like blatant, that is the way you serve. For me, that is what happened. I did not do a lot of tent making in the way of the uh, Apostle Paul. It was my vocation fairly early on. Now for many, many years, and many of my brothers and sisters that have been in ministry can nod to this, for many, many years of that, I paid to do it. Can I get an amen from anybody? Don't think for a moment you get paid. It's a long, 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 if you get paid from the beginning to do some kind of vocational ministry, bless you, bless you, but that doesn't happen very often. So, and then, you know, just working into that vocation. But I want you to understand, picture it like um, a strand of Christmas lights, that, that the objective of God is to wrap this globe in the light of the world by sending us forth. So picture it, if we had a globe right here, I'm just gonna take a strand of, of white Christmas lights and I'm gonna wrap it around it and wrap it around it and wrap it around it and wrap it around. It's got to be plugged into the Holy Spirit, right? So, so think of it that way. So he's always going to call more people out into the world 
where it's darkest than he's going to do inside the church. So I, I don't want you to think that if he calls you to another vocation, that you're to take the witness of Jesus Christ into that field, and it's not a field of ministry that you are less than. In fact, you have been entrusted with such a profound witness, such a trust of God that he has placed you out in the world with that light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to prove this to you in Scripture. You and I are going to fly through the Scriptures this morning. I do mean fly. So get ready to go. And the first place we're turning is 1 Kings. Go with me to 1 Kings. Now, I want to, I want to show you a concept right here. 1 Kings is right next to 2 Kings, amen? You know, the thing about having a new Bible is I don't know where anything is. But, you know, I told you I don't want to get comfortable with it. I want to get comfort from it. So you'll be there three years before I get there. But 1 Kings chapter 4, 1 Kings chapter 4, I want to read verses 29 and 32. You all also have them on the screens. And then 32 through 34. This is about the wisdom God gave Solomon. Now watch this because this is strategic to us in our calling to the world. It says in verse 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. And the breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, verse 30, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. And that next verse is going to be all the names of people he happened to be wiser than. Come down to 32. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. So uh, all of these songs. So think about the breadth of the understanding and intelligence God gave Solomon. Stay with me here because this gets impressive. It says that in 33, he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And all the people of all nations came to hear, let me read 34 again, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Did you notice the kinds of fields that God's wisdom reached into? Because that is of great importance to us when we come to understand that your calling could take you in all sorts of fields where you are then assigned to take the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. No less than your brothers and sisters who are in ministry vocation, no less than those work in the church, you are entrusted then to take the light of the gospel of the, of the glory of Jesus Christ into that part of the world. But it could be any field any line of work that is ethical and honest. Think through this with me. I, I jotted down just recently what all this could look like. So just go with me here because I want you to understand this morning as we're called out into this world, every field is God's. The world is His and they that dwell therein, every field is God's. Look at somebody and say every field belongs to God. Oh, I need a little more enthusiasm than that this morning. Look at it. And I mean, be positive about it. Every field. Every field belongs to God. So let me see if I can illustrate this just a little bit. There is utterly nothing about which God does not know everything. I'm going to say that again. 
There is absolutely nothing about which God does not know everything. All the icks and theologies, like mathematics, economics, acoustics, aerodynamics, athletics, theologies, biology, sociology, anthropology, psychology, geology, technology. Go no further than Genesis 2 for glimpses of divine ecology and zoology. How about astronomy? Well, he didn't just speak the stars into the sky. He called them by name. How about ornithology? That's the study of birds. Well, he wove feathers to flesh and not a sparrow falls without his knowing. How about meteorology? Well, skies mirroring oceans, clouds double billed to bring rain and, and to cloak the glory of God. He appointed lightning to strike and snowflakes to float from the exact same atmosphere. All sciences originate with God, social science, agricultural science, political science, computer science, health science. Science is not God's objection. It was God's idea. What God's objection to is godlessness in science. Anybody need to hear me this morning? God does not object to science. He created science. What he objects to is godlessness. When he is left out, of his own science, he tends to be a little bit miffed. It says in oceanography, whales fashioned so that he could just watch them frolic. Do you know that the scripture says literally, he created them so he could watch them play. Sexuality, his idea for man and wife's exquisite pleasure and for human procreation. Archaeology, the same God who conceals at his own will and timing reveals. Medicine originated from the great physician. Nutrition from the holy dietitian. And I don't even have to say music to you, you know. Notes took wings and flew to their score at the command of the divine composer. Symphonies found their soul-clutching sounds at the command of the divine conductor. The arts were inspired by the artist himself. Colors, textures, dimensions, shades, all by God. Writers found ink under the inspiration of the one called Logos. The word, every great movie, every great novel winks in this way or that at God's brilliant meta-narrative. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for everything was created by him. In heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Who were they created for? Created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. So this is how this goes. Remember last night when I told you that he is, really is the know-it-all? He really does know it all. What every field of, of just decency and honesty you could possibly be in, can he fill you with his spirit and use you to bring light into that darkness? 
Absolutely. It is his desire to do so. What I wish I had this morning, if I had thought enough in advance, I would have um, brought it with me so that I could illustrate it. I want you to picture every single one of those fields that I just mentioned and any other. Just picture it. Picture it all like helium balloons uh, with ribbons tied to it. And I want you to picture with me that for the believer in Christ, every one of those fields are meant to be tied down to the Word. So you are no less called to the Scriptures. You are still equipped by the Scriptures. No matter what field you're in, no matter what field I'm in, it has to be tied to the Scriptures because this is how we're equipped. This is how we know what the truth is. And so I want you to picture that's the Holy Spirit that is that's holding that balloon up and it's holding it right here to the Word of God. So no matter what field you're in, it has to be attached right here or you will not be equipped as a saint in the work of ministry. Every saint, you are a saint if you are in Christ, is being equipped by the Word for the work of ministry. Whether your work of ministry is in the area of real estate, whether you are a biologist, a public school teacher, a doctor, the owner of a real estate business, it makes no difference. We are equipped by the Word of God. So here's the thing. Here's where this gets very, very tricky. Every field is God's, but you staying His and me staying His in heart, soul, mind, and strength in every field is where this gets tricky. Every person in here, regardless of our field of ministry, mathematics, church, child development, what, 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 none of us will be faithful to God in our field accidentally. Every single one of us, if we're gonna walk this thing faithfully, it will be because we intended to, that it was the desire of our hearts. We will not accidentally be faithful to God because what will come most naturally, naturally to us is to satisfy ourselves. So we make a commitment. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if in all our fields of work, in, in all your fields of academics, whatever you may be doing, to just devote that to Him today? And when we leave this place later this week, we branch out all over this world, invading it with the kingdom message of the gospel of Jesus. That is everything. Now, here's the thing. My goal this morning is to shed light on the slyest scheme the devil's got going. And it's also the oldest, and it's the reason it keeps working, because Satan keeps placing a bet on our self-interest. Oh, I wanna say that to you again. The reason why we're not on to him, that, I mean, he's, it was in the garden when he basically said, why in the world would you want to worship God? You could be, well, he's just trying to keep you from being one yourself. And he's still doing the same thing and he's getting away with it because he places a bet in the best possible position. He bets on our high self-interest. I wanna show you uh, what this looks like in Matthew chapter 16. I want you to turn with me there and I want you to keep in mind a very important part of this lesson is knowing that we are all vulnerable to this. 
The Apostle Peter was already showing extreme brilliance by this time in the Scriptures. Just prior to the point that I am going to start reading with you, he had been, I mean, given the ultimate compliment by Jesus. When Jesus had asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And his next words are just startling with power. Next scene. Next scene, that's why it's so important to understand, no one is beyond this. If he wasn't beyond this, none of us are. So there's no shame in not being beyond it, where we, where we get some intelligence about how to fight this kind of a sly scheme of the enemy is when we are on to it and we can recognize it coming. Verse 21 of Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter, same one, star student, took him aside and began to rebuke him. We'll make sure everybody in the room sees that Peter literally rebuked Jesus, takes him to the side and he rebukes him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus does the oddest thing. He turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You are watching the playing out of one of the most important principles in all of Scripture and the slyest move the enemy will ever have. This is his most effective ploy right here in front of our eyes. Question for you, why does Jesus connect Satan's brashest work with the mindset of things on man? Because he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you have in mind, Peter, the things of man and not of God. Listen carefully. Because Satan's most powerful scheme is to make man think he's got a better idea than God. Every time you can take it to the bank, it will be across the board. It is his most effective thing. Peter was like, you do not need to do that. God would never ask you to lay down your life. You must have misunderstood him. Lord, this will never happen to you. God would never ask you to sacrifice like that. Listen, a Christ with no cross may have still been God, but we would have been lost. It was what he came to do, but Peter had a better idea. He was the smartest one in the class. You should never do that. Here is the paradox. God's interest is in your best interest. I promise you that. Based on the authority of the word of God, I promise you that. That God's best interest will always be in your best interest. God's best interest will always be in my best interest. The devil's slyest scheme on this earth is counterfeit humanitarianism. It will, every time 
counterfeit humanitarianism. This is when he is most effective at masquerading as an angel of light. Satan knows good and well that most people are not gonna be tempted to become Satanists. They're just not gonna be interested in that. There'll be a few, but for the most part, that's not how he's going to get us. All he's interested in is disconnecting us from God, causing us to be separated from God. That's his only objective is to get us away from God. So what he wants to do is he wants to cheat God of you and he wants to cheat you of God. And so this is Satan on the sly. I'm all about you. I mean, God, he's all about himself. I am all about you. No, he's not. Let me tell you what Satan's all about. Satan is not all about you. He is all about you going to hell. And I wanna say it very clear, in case my Southern accent threw that off, I wanna say that a little better. Satan is not interested in you. He is interested in you going to hell. That is what Satan is interested in. That will be his interest to the very last breath he takes. That is what he's after. Now here, I'm gonna need you to really concentrate for the next few minutes because this could get very confusing if you don't just stay right here with me. So don't get distracted, stay right here. The more Satan can work behind the scenes, the better. Remember, all he has to do is place bets on man's self-interest. So things that exalt man, it's, it's ingenious, it's absolutely ingenious. There is a name for this origin of influence in the scripture and, and it begins, it's rooted in Genesis chapter 11. I'm not gonna turn you there because we don't have time on the clock, but here is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I will ask you if you would please jot down these references so that you can check it out later. So I love when this happens. I love when something stretches across the scripture because that becomes a principle to us. So way back in Genesis chapter 11, after God has told the people to scatter and cover the earth, well, no, they decide, let's build a tower to make a name for ourselves. And, and we refer to it as, because God, God, um, God uh, confused their languages, we refer to it as the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11 is the first time we see man in this way giving a blatant, blatant nod to his own corporate self-interest. Let's make a tower and build a name for ourselves. That word Babel is the same root word as we would find in the Hebrew language for the name place Babylon. This is extremely important, so really sit tight with me because I'm gonna show you something in, in Revelation 17 and 18. I want you to turn to it, but we're not gonna read it yet. I just want you to see it. Turn with me to Revelation 17 and 18, and if you have captions over the paragraphs of scriptures, you'll be able to see it from the very start. The fall of Babylon, see it in Revelation 18, 17 and 18, have it open and have it ready because I'm coming back to it in just a moment. So remember, it's gonna say right there, the fall of Babylon. It's, it prophesies the time when God really has had absolutely enough of the whole Babylon mentality because in the scripture, Babylon was an actual place. It was a place. 
Um, it became then a region, Babylonia. Then it became ultimately, at the time of the kings in Israel, it became an empire. It is the empire that took the nation of Israel captive, completely captive, when they were a free people of God, took them captive and enslaved them, and it still is what enslaves us most today. The enemy is working behind it, but listen, it's doing all his bidding for him because what is it doing? It is placing bets on our low tolerance for God interest and our high, high proclivity to self-interest. So man builds a tower to make a name for themselves. Then we have God dealing with it in uh, Revelation chapter 18. If you're wanting me to get a little more specific with it and get it into a nutshell, what was originally a locality, Babylon, the location, the locality, God begins as early as the book of Isaiah to reference as a Mentality, not just locality, but say it again, not just, but. So it becomes a mentality. If we were going to look for one place that would put it in as succinct a form as we could find it, we would find it in Isaiah chapter 47. Turn with me there, please. Keeping something in Revelation 17 and 18. Isaiah 47, what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for a way to define what is the Babylon mentality? What is this thing that really originated all the way back in Genesis 11 and goes all the way to Revelation chapter 18? It's a very high point in Isaiah because this is when the empire is going to enslave them, the very people of God, and take them captive. So what are we looking for? We're looking for what would put it in a nutshell for us to understand it. It's there blatantly because God is going to quote Babylon's motto. So we're looking in the scriptures in Isaiah 47 for God to quote Babylon's own motto. This would be her cheer. Isaiah 47, verse 8. Now, therefore, hear this, you lovers of pleasure, who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. And then again in verse 10, you felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am. And there is no one besides me. It is absolutely, without a doubt, a blasphemous play on the Lord's own self-disclosure all the way back in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses said, well, what am I going to tell them your name is? And he said, you tell them, I am who I am. And over and over, I want to be right about, about five times in the book of Isaiah, God says, I am the Lord and there is no one like me. So this play on words here where Babylon goes, no, I am. And there's, there's no one besides me. Okay, are you still with me? Okay, let's go now to Revelation 17 and 18.
Revelation 17, I wanna read you verses one through three. It's all prophetic, all of a time to come. 17, one through three. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came to me saying, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. I will explain that in just a moment. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality, the dwellers on earth have become drunk. I don't know what your wording is in your translation, but if you're willing to write in your Bible or if you have an electronic Bible and you can highlight it, I especially want you to highlight the part that says the dwellers on earth have become drunk. The dwellers on earth have become drunk. Now listen carefully. Do you remember yesterday morning what Pastor Brian said about influencing kings? It was so powerful and so profound. Yes, yes, yes. I cannot amen that enough. But I want you to hear something. If you cannot, if we cannot influence them, and by kings of the earth in Revelation, what that means is that just the, the power players on earth. It doesn't have to be someone before um, with a title that says king so-and-so, or prince so-and-so, or president so-and-so, or prime minister so-and-so, or queen so-and-so. It just means the power players of the earth, the kings and princes of the earth. If we cannot influence them, we are not to let them influence us. I, I cannot make this too clear. We cannot let them influence us because they are spreading the Babylon mentality of I am and there is no one besides me. In Scripture in spiritual terms, when you're seeing the reference to the kings of the earth having sexual immorality with this mentality, this Babylon mentality, this prostitute. Now understand with me, because the prostitute is what's being called Babylon. Her, Satan is her pimp. He, remember, he always does better behind the scenes so we're not on to him. So he's pimping her out. And so what, what happens here in this scene, when it says sexual immorality, you would find this in a number of the prophetic uh, books in the Old Testament. God referred to idolatry as spiritual adultery. The, the, yes, of course, we see uh, the, the extreme influence of sexual immorality. That certainly is part of it. But if we only limit it to that, we're going to miss the symbolism that's being used there because adultery, uh, that, unfa that unfaithfulness is about idolatry. It's about there being anything that is raised higher than the one and only true God. So remember that with me. So scripture uses a very specific metaphor for being under the influence of Babylon mentality. Did you see it with me? Because it says, with whom the kings of the earth, verse two, have committed, committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality, that's unfaithfulness, that's idolatry, the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. The metaphor that is used for being under the influence of the Babylon mentality is drunkenness. 
Everybody got that? Because it becomes extremely important to us. All right, you tell me, what is the metaphor that is used for being under the influence of the, of the Babylon mentality? Drunkenness. It, it, it's, it's drunkenness. Drunkenness. It is a drunkenness not of literal wine, but of intoxicating power. Listen carefully. Of intoxicating power of knownness. The desire to be known, followed, seen. The Babylon mentality is, I want to make a name for myself. The Babylon mentality is about my I amness. Is anybody tracking with me? It's my I amness. It's when I'm all about what I am. Now, see, this gets very, very shady in the church because we do our I amness in Jesus' name. So it gets very confusing because we're being who we are all about Jesus because we're going to be glory to Jesus and he does not mind us being right in there with him. Does anybody get that with me? So it's very, very intoxicating. Very, very. I need somebody to remind me of her motto. You remember it back in Isaiah 47, verses 8 and 10? I, what? I am and there is no one besides me. I don't, just let, let, me, let me just throw out a few bracket phrases. So I'm gonna take that verse, but in the middle of it, I just want to add a phrase here and there with brackets. So picture that if I were to put it on the screen and you could see it, just a few bracket phrases in the middle of it and see if any of this sounds familiar. I am, and there is no one in this picture besides me. Anybody? No one in this Instagram post but me. No one in most of the pictures on my phone besides me. We are obsessed with ourselves, obsessed with ourselves. I am, and there is no one in this video I am, and there is no one I'm more interest, interested in than me. I am, and there is no one I'm looking out for besides me. And I keep wondering why I never do fall in love with someone. I want to be in love with someone, and I, I've been with so many people, I've never fallen in love. That's because we are in love with ourselves, and they do not compete with us because I am and there is no one besides me. We're going to spill it now, aren't we? In Daniel, you can see it at its most intoxicating. It is beauty, glamour, privilege, brawn, excess, self-adoring, image-building. It is the social variety of ethnic cleansing. Cleanse the world of the ugly. Only nothing turns out uglier. It's decadence. Indulge your flesh, indulge your fantasies. But this one's huge, this one's huge. You can't misunderstand this one. Don't miss it. Do not look away for a moment. 
Indulge your spirituality. Listen, this one is big because, listen, never think for a moment Babylon doesn't support spirituality. Of course it does. All it cares about is disconnecting you from the one true God. There's all, remember that what, do you think that the demons would not be interested in spiritual things? For crying out loud, they are spirits. <laughs> they are spirits. Oh, somebody help me, please. Please, somebody help me. Somebody just give me some help here today. Listen, in Babylon, anything goes. Atheism, perfect. Polytheism, perfect. Have them all. Counterfeit humanitarianism. Oh, listen, it's one of Satan's best things going. It is brilliant to convince us that man in his hubris suggests that we would be more loving than God. God not only loves, God is love. His very isness, his very isness is love. He can no more stop being love than he can stop being God. It is his isness. It is part of who he is as the I am. Any, any, the least bit of compassion we ever have, when we have mercy for people, when, when we have love for people, when we have empathy and sympathy for people, every shred of that is only because we have been created in the image of God. That's it. Listen. Often the most compassionate thing Jesus could possibly do is call us from our sins. That is compassion. And he does it over and over again. He forgives lavishly. He forgives lovingly. He cleanses completely. And then he says, now leave your life of sin. Because he's mean. Because we make him feel better about himself. We can't make Jesus feel better about himself. Jesus feels fine about himself. He's going, listen, you don't understand. My interest is in your best interest. My interest is in your best interest. Do you honestly think I'd call you out of something if I did not think it was in your best interest? Oh, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, somebody give me some help today. Somebody's going to tell me, oh, but the sacrifices, yes. I will not minimize that one single bit. That is no small thing. It is enormous. It is huge. Many, many tears. There might be much loneliness, but this life in comparison is going to turn out to be only a breath and the sacrifices will be made up for thousands and thousands and thousands of times over in an eternal kingdom. Okay, so why does this matter so much to us here in our gathering and back in the States and in all of our churches and all over every first world country where the church can be found. I'm gonna tell you why, and it's what I came to tell you in these last couple of minutes, because this wine is spilling into Christ's church and it is spiking our communion cups. Not only her church, but her institutions. A drunkenness is befalling the church of Jesus Christ. Some people are fighting to stay sober, some are tipsy, some are slobbering drunk, and some are already completely passed out and sound asleep. No one's immune, not the godliest person you have known, not Peter, not us, because we all have vulnerability to self-interest. 
You still open to Revelation 18? Look at verse four. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Revelation talks about the wine of her passion. Oh, Babylon has passion to offer and mankind wants passion. Don't we? We want passion. But here's the thing. It's all a perversion, a distortion, a counterfeit of what really makes us prosper in our souls. God created man to thrive and he knows that the biggest burden that you and I carry in all of our lives is our own egos, our own egos our own self-interest will be our own self-destruction. He knows we need a bigger name to live for, the name above all names. He knows we need a bigger passion that won't burn us to the ground, holy passion. He knows we wanna be under an influence that lightens our hearts and even gladdens our hearts and gives us joy. But you see, that's the Holy Spirit. He knows we naturally want to be happy. I mean, it's just part of being human. But see, Psalm 144:15 says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. He, he knows we wanna see the flourishing of man, that we're sympathetic, that we're compassionate to what's going on. So he gave us the message of salvation, not exaltation of man. If Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all unto him. But if man be lifted up, he will descend into hell. The great I am says, I am the best thing that ever happened to you. Okay, so here's where I'll end. The bride of Christ is getting drunk on the wine of Babylon, intoxicated with ourselves. Revelation 18, four, come out of her, my people, not out of the world, because we were sent there, out of the mentality. We must, it will be the ruination of us. We must come out of the mentality. Here's the thing, we are addicted We've been sipping that wine that spiked our communion cup and we are sipping it. And now we don't even know it. See, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with how this whole drunkenness thing works and how the addiction works because this was the bondage of choice in my family of origin. I cannot count the times that I have seen people drunk and let me tell you what they'll say over and over again with keys, the car keys dangling from their hands. I am not drunk. I'm perfectly sober. We've been sipping so long, we're addicted. Here's what I've come to say to you. There is rehab for the bride of Christ. There is, there is. It's called repentance. Repentance, the best thing that ever happened to any of us. The best thing, we just get to change our mind. We get to change our mind, our outlook on it. I can't make you ask yourself. I can only ask myself, and I have 
recently and then again yesterday. I have said, no, I know how odd this is gonna be quoted out there. Oh, I already know. But you know what? I'm most interested in what's happening in here right now. And I want you to know, I have asked him straight out, Lord, am I drunk? Am I drunk? Because all of us wanna stand before, I'm not drunk on it. I'm not drunk on it. I'm not drunk on it. I'm sure I'm not drunk on it. No, am I drunk? Because no one in this room is at greater risk of being drunk on the wine of Babylon than the person who is so sure they are not drunk that they will not ask. I'm asking. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I know. If I'm not drunk, I'm sure as heck tipsy. And so I don't know what you're going to do right now. I'm going to repent. This part of the Bride of Christ wants rehab. My rehab's going to come one way. I want to repent. I want to repent. If anybody wants to repent with me, would you just, just drop your head? Just drop your head and let's do it together. Lord, um, forgive me for being intoxicated with the Babylon mentality of this world, building images, names for ourselves in your name, Jesus. God, God help us. We're so drunk, we cannot see. We cannot see ourselves in the mirror. I repent, I repent. I want sober joy, real joy, jump up and down joy. I want the real thing. Gladden my heart with the real thing. We adore you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, we need not plead for forgiveness. We just got it because of the power of the cross and the shed blood of Jesus. We've just got it. And so we receive it and I receive it in the merciful and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Wow. Pretty sobering, eh? Are you tipsy, drunk, inebriated on self-interest? It's a real posing question. And um, can I just ask us, just in these moments, maybe we can close our eyes and bow our heads again. If you're here this evening and it's really spoken to you, maybe You do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've allowed self-interest to have too much interest in your life. Or maybe you don't know Jesus and going, I need to be right with him. I want to turn from going my own way to follow the ways of Jesus. If that's you this evening, can you give me a wave? Take a few moments. That's great. Cool. few more moments. Cool. Wouldn't it be really good if we pray? Can I ask you all to pray this prayer after me? It'd be good to do. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways 
my self-interest, my self-desires, and I humble myself before you. I confess I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me now. Wash me clean that I can stand holy and pure in your presence in Jesus' name. Empower me to live for you. Empower me to be like you. And I commit myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I think it'd be good if we can stand to our feet and Aaron can lead us. And if you <clears throat> desire prayer in any area, feel free to come forward. Love to pray with you. It can be in, the, in any area. What we've heard this evening or something else, feel free to come. Who's enjoyed watching the DVD? It's been good, eh? It's been really good. So thank you, Aaron. Let's stand to our feet, church. Yeah. I just think um, it'd be cool if we sung that song again, Number Jesus, because um, I feel really, really provoked by that word, you know? I don't know about, about you guys, but um, let's, let's pray this um, as we sing it together. There's no one else but, but Him, you know? And, uh, and us aligning ourselves with that statement and, and um, declaring that, it's like, it's something that bashes the idols out of the way, you know? Like, hmm. So whatever your thing is that comes before him, because we all, we've all got it, right? Um, there's stuff that always rises up and and... and takes takes precedence over him. It's like, no, no, me first, you know. Whatever that thing is, as you sing this, as you pray this, trust that he's faithful to, to become the center again and, and to release you from that.
just want to offer the invitation for you guys to come come down here and just to kneel as a as a, a declaration of of um of that that prayer there's no one but you Jesus if that's the the prayer of your heart the song of your heart right now then I invite you to just just do that as a, as a symbol of what's going on in your heart and your in your mind and in your decision you're not kneeling before man you're not kneeling to the music you're not kneeling to the song you're kneeling to the one the God above gods
Father, we thank you for your presence amongst us. Thank you that your presence is with us and for us. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, the fire of your Spirit, Lord, would touch upon each one of us. Lord, we pray that your fire would burn in us, Lord. Burn away every chaff, every hay, wood, and stubble, that the flame of God would burn brightly within our spirits and our souls. Father, I thank you that you're a consuming fire. May your fire burn in us, Lord. Burn every dross, burn away every essence of dross every impurity, Lord. Let your Spirit, I pray, refresh us and and fill us, O God, with fresh passion and fresh desire for you, Lord. Father, this night we turn away from complacency, apathy. We say, Spirit of God, burn in us. Have your way in each one of us, Lord. Set us free to be all you've created us and made us to be. Let us soar with you and with the wings of the Spirit, yielding to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Break every bondage, Lord. Break every chain. Break everything that holds us back. Break every darkness. Break every controlling thought that's not of you, Lord. Break every sense of despair and hopelessness. Break every bondage, Lord. Break every yoke of oppression sense of depression. Father, we pray, lift it. And Lord, fill us afresh with your Spirit. Fill us afresh with your power. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'd just like us to take a few moments, if you're comfortable to do this, turn to the person on your left or your right. Pray for the fire of God. Pray for the presence of God to fill them, to revitalize them, to empower them to be like Jesus. Let's take a few moments to do this. Hallelujah. Don't hold back. Don't be shy. Let's step into this. Let's pray for one another. Pray in God's presence. The power of His Holy Spirit would fill us overflow us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Fill us, Lord. Overflow us, Lord. Let the power of your Spirit dwell within us, Lord. We hunger for you, Lord. We thirst for you, Lord. 
We desire you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Fill us, O oh God. Let your presence overflow us, Lord. Oh God, let your presence fall, Lord. Let your power be released, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Just where you are, I really feel God wants to touch us afresh with the Spirit. Just where you are, can you raise your hand as a, as a sign and say, Lord, here I am. Fill me afresh with your Spirit. Fill me afresh with your fire. Fill me afresh with the dynamism of heaven. Father, I pray for every person that has their hands raised, that God, your presence Lord, right now I release it, Lord, to fill every heart, to fill every spirit. Lord, every soul, we're far from heaven, Lord. Father, with an anointing that breaks every yoke, with an anointing that, Lord, sets the captive free. Father, with power, Lord, not just with words, but with the power of your Spirit. Father, I pray as we leave here tonight, God, none of us will go out the same. None of us will leave this place the same way we came in here. But God, we're touched by your power, touched by your Spirit. Father, I pray, release your Spirit now. Power, fire from heaven, Lord, to burn every dross, to fill us, Lord, to empower us to do your good work, to be witnesses for Jesus, shining brightly, in the name of Jesus, I want you to say, in faith, I receive that, Lord. I receive your fire. I receive your spirit. I receive your empowerment. I receive it by faith. I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It doesn't matter how you feel, whether you feel something or not. By faith, you are making a declaration. I receive this right now. In Jesus' name. Here's one last thing I believe the Lord wants us to do is to pray for one another for the gift of healing to flow through us as a body. To pray for one another to believe for a gift of healing. That means when you have a family member, a friend, somebody the Lord leads you to, you're going to pray. You're going to see the healing power of Jesus flow through them. So let's pray for one another. I believe God wants to do this. God wants His power. He wants to break out in the city of Hamilton. And He's going to use you to do it. So let's pray for one another that we will be ministers of the healing power of Jesus. Hallelujah. For healing power to flow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you for the ministry of healing, Lord. 
Let it flow through each one of us, Lord. Let us speak to the sick and declare them to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, with those that are oppressed, let us speak the word of the Lord and see them set free in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that, Father, have cancers, in the name of Jesus, we speak the word, and Lord, they're completely healed. Those that, Lord, are oppressed, we speak the word of God, and they're completely healed. Those that have thyroid problems, we speak the word of the Lord, and they're completely healed. Those that have kidney problems, declare the healing power of Jesus, and they're made completely whole, that, Lord, you would receive all the glory. Lord, you receive all the power and all the honor. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. I want to really encourage you as we leave this place, do not allow the presence of God to leave you. What I mean by that is stir up the gifts, stir up the presence of God, press into God. He wants to move amongst us. He wants to light a fire within us. And there's a fire of a community of believers to see His presence and His goodness released in our city. Amen. It's only going to be good. It's all for the glory of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. You're awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Aaron and team. You guys have been awesome. Been really, really cool. So, so cool. Well, as you leave this evening, if you're a guest, we invite you to help yourself to a white pack at the end there. there you'll find information about the church. Can I encourage too, as you leave, as you go out on the to uh, in the giving stations that your purpose in your giving would be fantastic and next Sunday evening we're doing a one night series on a healthy me finances looking at the biblical view of what God says about you and your finances it's going to be a great time so I really encourage you to come along so God bless enjoy the rest of the evening enjoy the rest of the week catch you later and guys um don't feel like you've got to just leave straight away. We'll still have this space open for a while. You know, if you want to do business down here, that's cool. We're going to keep playing, so don't feel like you've got to rush off.